Welcome to the City Shapers podcast, a series where we sit down in conversation with the creators and custodians of Australia's property and built environment industry. In this series, we'll be talking to corporate leaders and entrepreneurs, designers and placemakers, innovators and disruptors. We'll be exploring what's important in this industry and how we tackle the challenges and opportunities that confront us in the future. This series is brought to you by The Urban Developer, Australia's largest, most engaged and fastest growing community of property and urban development professionals. Head to theurbandeveloper.com for more. Guiding us through this conversation is founder and publisher of The Urban Developer, Adam DeMarco. Hi guys, Adam here. Just letting you know that this episode is sponsored by Propolytics. Propolytics is an easy to use calculation and projection tool for industry professionals and sophisticated investors. Think of Propolytics like your one-stop shop for managing your property investment portfolio. With it, you can stay on top of property details, expenses and deductions, rental income, and then also manage your cash flow projections. You can check out Propolytics by heading to iTunes or Google Play Store, or you can head to propolytics.com.au. In this episode, we'll be speaking with the very entrepreneurial brothers, Brody and Drew Hapt. Brody and Drew originally founded Inception Wealth Group in 2013 as a financial services business and have since grown their group into a diversified wealth management, property development and fintech business. In this episode, we'll be talking about the highs and lows of starting and building businesses, how the current funding environment is influencing the demand of property investors, how the TV show Billions inspired their high-performance work culture, and finally, we'll learn how a passion for property investment evolved into a fully-fledged property development business. We hope you enjoy this episode of City Shapers. Drew and Brady, welcome to City Shapers. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Ads. Um, look, we're here today to talk about the extraordinary group of companies that you guys have built um, over a reasonably short period of time. Uh, for those that, that aren't familiar with your group of companies, take us through what you guys do across the portfolio of your businesses, and then we can start to break them down a little bit. Brody? Basically, we, we started Inception Wealth Group in 2013, which is a financial services business uh, specializing in property investment, um, helping our clients, mum and dad investors, structure their, their loans and finances and helping them with their future in terms of superannuation and looking at alternate structures like SMSFs. Uh, that, that naturally progressed into our setting up of our finance company, which is Inception Finance. So they both trade under the name Inception. And we've only recently uh, obtained our Australian credit license. And uh, now we also have a license to be able to offer and write our own loans as a mortgage manager as well. From there, uh, we went and created our fintech company, which is Wealth, uh, which is a digital portfolio manager. Uh, which helps all of our clients, would you happen to believe, uh, manage all their assets uh, within the app. Uh, the app basically supports live feeds from RP Data for property values, for Redbook for uh, vehicle values, uh, all sorts of different live feeds uh, for superannuation, managed funds, and also bank feeds, which is done through Yodly, which has access to over 70 different lenders across Australia. So it's a read-only platform, which gives our clients a really good understanding of their net asset position currently today. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting sort of suite of things that you do. Obviously, you started with, you know, wealth and then into finance broking into some fintech products that then help your clients go better. I mean, obviously, it's a fairly entrepreneurial 
attitude, a fairly entrepreneurial culture within your business. Just talk us through why you're pursuing these new kind of verticals, because I think that's going to help frame the, the rest of the discussion. So I like to call it more horizontal integration um, rather than vertical integration. The reason being is, yes, they all kind of feed in and help each other, but they're all very individual businesses per se. So different groups of teams, uh, different client uh, bases as well, and offering or helping um, create further solutions or efficiencies across different, um, I suppose, areas of, of the finance and investment sector. Following on from there, we've also just recently launched a prop tech tool, which is a property calculations tool for residential investment for investors and also for um, basically real estate advisors to be able to help project their, their client's portfolio and calculations for it. And then recently, also the last couple of years, we've dipped our toes into uh, property development um, and that, that space, I suppose, more out of a, a passion for property and development and... Yeah, getting to the point where uh, we're um, crossing a few different bases. Let's go back to the Inception Wealth part of the business, the thing that you guys started first. That's working with investors to identify ways to build property portfolios and stock portfolios and those sorts of things. I think a lot of our audience would be very interested in understanding how that part of the business is is kind of responding to the current environment now for which is a constrained credit environment particularly for investors so can you just talk us through how inception wealth and your clients and what their appetite for property looks like particularly i guess off the plan real estate all comes down to education really as we worked out quite early uh, in this business finance is always a moving target. So it's just about understanding or having your team understand and be at the forefront of those changes rather than reacting to those changes, be proactive with those changes. So making sure that you have access to as many lenders, mortgage managers, and understanding all the differences and the different nuances within the different products to be able to consistently offer for your clients uh, and deliver for your clients, I suppose. So is the consumer demand there? Is the investor demand there for off-the-plan real estate, which has just been slowed down by access to credit? Absolutely. It is? It's probably sped up for us. Uh, And as I said, it really comes down to educating our clients. Why, first of all, like stripping it all back, why do they want to become a a property investor? Why do they want to build a property portfolio? And making sure that they structure it correctly from the start. So we don't feel the pressure of, of, of credit changing or, or the landscape of bank, banks changing. As an example, you know, St. George pulls out of the SMSF lending space, a limited recourse borrowing arrangement space only two weeks ago. That doesn't change anything for us. All it means is we've got to look for another provider to add to our portfolio of products that we have or the suite of products that we can write for our clients that are going to basically help them with what we're, we're trying to ascertain. So there's a million different ways you can skin a cat and we've just got to try and find which way that we do it for our clients depending on what their needs analysis is, I suppose. If you put your developer cap on for a moment, what are the important things that the financiers are looking for in relation to the actual projects? Where are the no-go zones? We often hear about blacklisted suburbs. Where are the things and the asset types that are being supported well? Basically being on both sides of the fence is quite interesting. One thing, or probably the biggest thing the banks want, is valuations. So they want to make sure that the the developer is offering at a price point where it comes as close to contract price as possible. As we know, um, we developers, 
want to get the most return on our money or the highest return on investment when we're developing these things. So we play a, a balancing game of making sure that we're pricing and we build this into our feasibility studies before we take on stock to try and develop ourselves, making sure that we can get it at, to a point where we can de- develop it where the, the price or the valuation is going to come back at what we need it to, but still make it a viable project for ourselves. In terms of blacklisted areas, well, um, for one, we don't play in the unit space for our clients. It's more in the house and land packages and the uh, townhouse um, complexes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Purely for us, we just see that there's more growth in those types of projects. It's not to say that, you know, we wouldn't invest in in units ourselves, but it's very hard to kind of ascertain or project uh, your calculations when you're talking about unit complexes or high-rise buildings um, around your body corporate and how that's going to be capped, even from when the property is sold to you, the unit is sold to you, and you have a provision there of what they might think property uh, body corporate would be, sorry. Uh, and then once it's completed and settled, it, it may be a very different sum. So we've just stayed out of that space ourselves, not because we don't believe in it, just because it's not something that we're akin to, I suppose. Sure. And I guess in terms of what that investor demand and financing space for investors of new product uh, around Australia looks like over the next two to three years. Do you have a view on that? Do you have a bit of a projection of whether you know, banks are start, going to start to ease up a little bit or, or, or is what we have at the moment sort of effectively a new norm? I think it's a new norm. I think, you know, the banks always want to be able to obtain your PPR, your principal place of residence or unoccupied debt. Um, you see it from the information they're given from APRA around they want to have a balanced portfolio, Um I'm not sure of the exact metrics at the moment, but let's, for argument's sake, say it's 80% they want to unoccupied debt and then they only want you know, anywhere between 10 and 20% of investment debt. Now, that is a, a broad range and that changes from product to product and the type of loan that they're offering. Mm-hmm. But things will only continue to tighten. And we actually see that as a very good positive in the space because it means that they get rid of a lot of people out there that are writing loans for people that shouldn't necessarily be taking loans out. Um, and secondly... It really ensures our uh, our longevity in the space because mm. we know that we're at the forefront of knowing when lenders pull out, what they're doing, how they're going to change their products, whether LVRs change, whether they're tightening servicing, whether they're offering offsets, whether they want to balance their book, they might turn LRBA lending off for six months and turn it back on and they might say to us, we want more owner-occupied debt um, as opposed to investment debt. So. You need to keep that constant communication with your BDMs and state managers of these different lending institutions to know where you're at in the game. And, you know, we run under an aggregator as well with AFG who have a really good broad selection of lenders that we can work with. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, by working with the mortgage managers, we can make sure that we're basically filling the gap for what our clients need. Are the days of um, the investment sellers of off-the-plan unit complexes selling, you know, sort of 80% out in the day, are they gone? And that's a hard question to answer. I think if product is there, then definitely. If there's quality of product and um, it's in the right area and it's offering the right services and different things that people are looking for in developments, then yeah, there's there's still a need for it. Everyone always wants to live in the, the newest place, the coolest uh, precinct or, um, I don't know, you probably have some more buzzwords around that type of, <laughs> type of development. You're looking at the wrong guy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I looked at the likes of, you know, like with Sunland, they do some cracking projects. Uh, you know, I, I love their take and their their whole mindset around the way they develop and, and what they're trying to build and what they represent as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know really considered development I, I think there's a, a real need for it from the days of if you look at the other end of the, the scale when you're talking about you know 49.99 square meter apartments or whatever it is that they have to is it what's the the metric I think it's 50 square meters. Yeah, so 40, 49.99 and they include the walls and the, any cavities as part of your square meterage to, to mm. get over that sort of space. I think they're, they're maybe limited, um, but there's always a need for it in the market for people to try and enter the, the property market. So, yeah. And Drew, in terms of the international demand for off-the-plan real estate, be it either internationally or perhaps Asian networks here in Australia, what's the, what's the take-up appetite for them in, in relation to the things that you're doing as well? Well, it's more so with your question prior was with 80% of projects being sold in one day. And that was largely due to the fact of the, the Chinese um, investments or investment into Australia. That was obviously pulled back. And there's been huge consequences because of that, both in the sales, but also in you know, projects which are now uh, you know, fully constructed. And uh, a lot of these buildings are still not 100% tenanted and it won't be as well due to the fact that the Asian, so the Chinese uh, investor, doesn't wish to um, to let out their their property. That's not a bad thing for rental <coughs> vacancies in some of these overpopulated areas, presumably. Uh, well, no, it's not, but it gives it a bit of a false um, sense of security with your investors and and the demand that you know had taken place with those sales. Yeah. So where where do you then see sort of the growth of your business? You know, you're dealing with property investors now over a period uh, over the next few years where Sydney and Melbourne, no doubt, slowing down. Brisbane um, has got multiple markets that are, um, you know, some are challenging, some are less so, some are quite, quite um, you would think, bullish. The Gold Coast is going through its own, you know, evolution. What does your business look like over the next few years, particularly from that wealth management and finance broking side? I think in Brisbane, we're in a really fortunate space uh, right now. Um, everyone is fully aware of Sydney and their and their uh, you know amazing growth that they experienced, but obviously the backlash they're um, looking at enduring now and for the next you know two three years or however however long. But Brisbane didn't uh, spike anywhere near. Well, it didn't spike at all really c- compared to Sydney and Melbourne. But the amount of infrastructure spend and and, and developments happening within Brisbane, uh, it's it's really exciting, and that's we we personally develop in Brisbane for a reason, or Southeast Queensland. That there's fantastic um, you know, growth indicators for for these areas. We hope you're enjoying this City Shapers podcast. If you are interested in more conversations like this one, head to the Urban Developer to subscribe to free daily news, features, interviews, and more. Also. Hit us up on social media by searching The Urban Developer on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And finally, if you're interested in checking out our events, conferences, and workshops, head to our website for all the details. Let's get back to it. So let's talk about some of the projects that you guys are developing, because I think it gives, again, another good indication of where you see um, demand. You've undertaken some townhouse projects, you mentioned. Correct. Um, Just talk talk us through that. Yeah, uh, beginning of this year, we, we completed four luxury townhouses in in Balimba. It's a suburb about you know, four or five k's from from the CBD, and we're currently you know, finishing two luxury houses in in New Farm. They'll be completed probably around the first week of December, which yeah, we're really excited about. It's a you know a very special market, New Farm. It's 
it's probably you know Brisbane's leading leading suburb, and when you compare prices to um, Sydney or Melbourne with proximity to the city, or even other cities around Australia, uh, I still feel it's you know heavily undervalued uh, to, to to where it you know can can be realised. The, the kind of project we're working at the moment uh, in in with council back and forth for better part of a year now uh, is uh, is a site in Oxford Street in Balimba on the river. And that's a project or a real passion project for myself and Brody and, and our other business partner uh, in, involved in, in that project. And it's uh, creating something which hasn't been built in Brisbane. And uh, that is the, the option or um, possibility of you know, driving you know, or sailing your boat up to a you know, world-class precinct with restaurants, bars, rooftop bars, uh, cafes, etc. Currently, uh, in Sydney, for those with the luxury of having a having a marine vessel or marine craft, are able to pull up to said restaurant or or bar or cafe and use their vessel for you know what what it was designed to do, and that is you know to be a transport uh, transport vehicle. In Brisbane, um, you know we're on the same equatorial line as as say Miami. Uh, when Miami, you think of you know boats and and sunshine and 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 in a vibrant, you know, lifestyle, music, bars, etc. Uh, in Brisbane, we're not quite there yet, and it's you know, it, it's a challenging, I guess, task to be able to realise, um, you know, this vision or this dream of, of creating such a project in Brisbane. For those a bit of you know, uh, trivial comment, we we have you know one of the largest marinas in the southern hemisphere in in Manly. And all these uh, marine crafts, marine vessels, boats that aren't able to be able to use, you know, to pull up to, you know, world-class destinations, the only closest point would be the Gold Coast, but there's no destination like we are trying to create where you can literally pull up in the river and park your boat and use as a as a car park like you would in the city for two, three hours. You, you pay your fee and then you can, you know, head on head on down the river or, or back out into the bay. Right. Interesting. Very different to invest invest real estate markets uh, uh, for uh, townhouses, but it's. I mean, it is fascinating that you identify that as the value through which you pursue and the gap in in the marketplace. Just changing tack a little bit now. You've you've invested quite heavily in fintech products, and now more recently in a in a prop tech product. Can you just talk us through those? products um, individually, just so, so our audience gets a, a decent understanding of what exactly they are and, and more importantly than why you've done that as well. Absolutely. So Wealth uh, is the fintech company and within that company, we've created two products, Wealth, which is our digital portfolio manager, which is our hero product and then Propolytics, which is our property calculations tool. So Wealth in itself was born basically out of a frustration for our current client base through Inception Wealth Group and Inception Finance, where we had a CRM and it was completely blind for our clients to be able to see their position. So we're doing all this work in behind the scenes, basically communicating with our team members, communicating with um, their other, we call it the ecosystem mm-hmm. um, that we build around our clients, our ongoing support ecosystem of other key partners. So in terms of um, their accounting firms and their financial plan and their SMSF admin company and their um, tax depreciation quantity surveyor and their estate planner and their conveyancer and property manager and yeah. insurer and the list goes on. We're doing all this work and you can tell the clients what you're currently doing via phone or, or email, but it'd be really cool to create some sort of platform where we can communicate with them. So that was where the original idea came from. And then it was, wouldn't it be great if we could have 
full transparency of the client's portfolio. I mean, no one's doing that. Mm. I mean, we all we all see the you know the royal commission into the banks about you know them not even showing what their fees were up until recently. So. Since all these FOFA reforms have come into effect, which is the future of financial advice reforms, um, it basically makes it really good for consumers because they can now see what their fees are that they're being charged and they can see the results transparently of how their superannuation or their managed funds or their share portfolios are performing. So we thought, how good would it be if we could bring all these different data feeds um, into one platform and create an app, which we put on the App Store and Google Play Store, for then our clients to then open up and we throw all their documentation in, so contracts of sales, uh, lease agreements, depreciation schedules, um, even their tax returns from their account, and they can put them in. So you have this ecosystem of their team members where they can put all the different information on for that client, and then the client just goes in there, they throw their filing cabinet away, and ta-da, all of your, excuse the pun, shit is in Mm. one place. Mm which is what people want. Like, I don't know about yourself. Totally. You know, with, yeah. with managing your finances, do you have a budget? Yes, probably run it on a spreadsheet. Do you have properties? Yes. How do you manage them? How do you manage the costs? How do you manage your projections? All those sorts of things. So that's what wealth is. We have all these live data feeds in and the, the ability is to give the consumer or the client, the value client, the opportunity to see all of their information in one easy place. Yep. Presumably that's then got a bottom line to say this is your net wealth and Absolutely. This, these are some ideas and strategies for you to improve that into the future and yep. so talk, talk to us, and et cetera. Yep. We've got all these goal setting tools and um, calculators and savings targets and um, we've got the same basically accounting functionality as zero with auto categorization. We've built in so many different features. Sorry, it's mm-hmm. a bit all over the shop. One other thing that we're really trying to do with the app as well as continually improve it. So continually improve the UX UI, the functionality, the ability for the clients to engage with the app itself. So we send them push notifications. We can create tasks for them for, hey, you got an insurance review in nine months. How about you contact your insurance provider for your content insurance and see if they can do you a better premium rather than just going on the auto premium for the following year. So just little things that makes it really easy for you to manage your own finances and put in your rates notice. Oh, got to pay that. Also, you know, looking at different bill pay- payment services like Gobble, as an example, where you could register all your bills and then they just come straight off the denominated or designated account. And then if we leave wealth and move over to, to Propolytics, Propolytics is something that we've wanted to build for, I'd say, the best part of eight years now. And that projection with tech is so slow. I know you're in a, a similar um, situation currently and you know the difficulties and the challenges you have with technology, when you're building software, when you're speaking to developers, when you're troubleshooting, when you've got beta testing of, of your first and second and third iterants of, of, of each of the platforms themselves. And it can become a long drawn out process. So I think we started the Propolytics journey before we started Wealth, but we launched Wealth you know, more than a year in front, ahead of that, basically. And it's because you have one idea and then that idea snowballs. And then it's like, let's add all these extra features on so it completely stands out from the market. And rather than putting them on next year or the year after the year after, let's not launch until we have this machine. Yeah. So let's just talk through Propolytics as well. Because I think, again, just going back to our audience, they're prob- that's probably the, the app that would resonate most with them. What is it? So as I said before, majority, and you can go on Google currently and you can say property calculations to property projections. How do I calculate 
what my property is returning. And there'll be a myriad of different spreadsheets that people are physically selling Excel spreadsheets. Whether it's on a licensing agreement, whether it's a one-off, you pay two and a half grand, buy a whiz-bang spreadsheet. And then all of a sudden, that's what you've got to use. It's 2018. Like this, we saw this as a real issue in what you can call it the prop tech sphere or space. And we wanted to fix that by creating a tool which you can basically put starting off with your own home. You can put your own home in there. You can put all of your income details in, so for tax purposes. You can put all of your lending information in. And then on your own home, it'll tell you, okay, this is how much this costs per week. And then you start adding in your investment properties. Mm -hmm. And that can be through an SMSF structure. It could be through a business Mm -hmm. if you want to separate it out. So you've got different businesses that own property or trusts as an example. Or it could be you just have a personal direct portfolio. So you add property investment one, you put in your property purchase information, you put in projected rental amount, you can put in contingencies for vacancy rates. Uh, You can put in contingencies for inflation, for inflation of your income. And you put all your income details in and basically works out based on the tax scales minus all your tax deductible expenses, what that property would cost you per week yep. and also works out how much tax that would save you per annum. And so is this the kind of tool that gets used by people before they purchase? So is it sort of an assessment tool or is it something to manage? Both. So ideally, I mean, we want to educate the industry. So as I said, the reason we got into tech and, you know, might sound corny or cheesy, but we want to make a difference. We never say that we are innovators or disruptors. I actually hate the word, you know, disruptor mm-hmm. personally, because all we're really doing is we're rewrapping something and making it more efficient. Mm-hmm. We're just improving the value proposition to the client, making it one, easy to use and making it have, have better value and easier to understand for the clients. That's, that's really all we've done. And so then how does how do you guys make money out of it? What's the what's the revenue model? So the models for both products are on a subscription uh, base. So we charge $29 per month for Propolytics and for Wealth for the average consumer out there to download. We then package it up for other companies as well uh, where they can uh, charge a you know set fee. Uh, it's normally incorporated in like an ongoing service package for Wealth where the client just as using the tech, they're also um, you know coupling that tech or pairing that tech with with the advisor, which we we believe is um, you know where it's it's you know most efficient. So you guys obviously have you know as as we've spoken about several different areas of focus amongst your team, your broader team, and and then the teams associated with each of them. I mean, how do you how do you manage that? How do you manage your time? We actually have a performance psychologist or a peak performance coach um, within the business. Yeah. And she's helped not only all of our team members, but ourselves to, to really understand performance and how you manage yourself and how you deal with stress and time management and structure uh, and making sure that, you know, you're giving the, the right time and prioritizing what needs to happen uh, on a daily, weekly, even hourly basis. Just, just talk us through that because, uh, again, there's not that many new young businesses that would probably be investing so heavily in that process. What's the performance coaching process that you guys have gone through look like? The best way to explain what Leanne does, there's a character uh, on Billions, Wendy Rhodes. So that is pretty much to a T uh, Leanne's role and and her background, um, like she's an an impressive young young woman. Um, She was working over in in the UK 
and working for a firm very similar to you know what billions is and you know uh, uh, a hedge fund and and all the traders and they had her performance um bonuses were based on the staff hitting a mill pnl and then working with uh you know elite athletes and people from the military and and understanding the importance of things like mindfulness etc um which you know we've watched the show and it wasn't because of the show that that leanne's the ends in play but uh, we're a big believer in uh, creating a you know a a strong culture with our business or businesses. You know, the team is uh, is vitally important to, to any business success. So investing monies in, in numerous avenues um, to ensure that we have a strong culture is is critical. It's paramount. And, and that journey is also, um, you know, going on a different direction as well, you know, with Leanne and, and creating a product, which we're looking at launching probably beginning of next year, hopefully first quarter. Uh, we're rolling out, you know, on a global scale and looking at peak performance as a whole, which, you know, you can tap into, you know, uh, corporates or, you know, the individuals as well. Um, th- there's a huge, huge need for that. And the more research that, that we do and, and Leanne feeds us, it's, we feel uh, sort of needs to be done and needs to be out there because yeah. currently it's not. What else is it of focus for you guys? Because uh, again, you run a fairly unique operation. I certainly don't know another business that would would mirror what you you guys are up to. What's in the business plan? What, what what's the focus moving forward as a as an organisation? Because I get the sense that many of the things that you've done to date have been opportunity led. You've seen an opportunity and responded accordingly, and all of a sudden this has set you guys up with this this integrated business. That's a fantastic thing to be able to do and execute. But opportunity at the same time is a thief um, and can get in the way of of a very clear business plan. So how do you manage that? First and foremost. Uh, Brody and I are, are brothers. Uh, blood is definitely thicker than water, and it's uh, amazing what you can conquer together. I have no hesitation in saying that I couldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for for Brody. And um, I quite arrogantly say that he couldn't be where he is today without without myself. Creating a, a, a good a good team and a good culture. A culture is critical. Um, Brody mentioned about being physically fit means you're mentally fit. I put my back this morning, so I'm a bit of agony today. I can hardly. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can tell. I can hardly. You're putting me in agony at mate. the moment, watching how much pain you're in. Yeah, I'm. I'm not in a good good place today. <clears throat> but investing, um, you know, that money into the culture and and the performance is is critical. Let's touch on a couple of things that motivate you guys personally. Obviously, we've spoken about fitness and um, and obviously performance training and um, performance coaching within your business and then working together collaboratively. What are just some other things that sort of spike or peak your interest, whether it be socially or personally or whatever it may be? For us, a big one was identifying what our why was. So with the incorporation of the performance psychology, the first kind of key thing that Leanne had spoken to us and taught us about was identifying why does you do what you do? What is it that makes you tick? What uh, inspires you? What um, gives you that motivation? Where is that hunger born out of? So it, it is different from, from person to person, but understanding you know, where they cross over um, for myself and Drew and the other uh, leaders across all of our other businesses, it, it, it has to be the same. So for me, one thing is increasing the value proposition to consumers that are, that's out there currently. Um, talking about big institutions like banks, um, like some of the biggest managed funds, particularly in Australia, uh, you know, we knew this five, six years ago. They're just ripping people off. 
that absolutely frustrates the hell out of me. So transparency and improving value proposition to consumers is is huge. The other for me is is collaborating. You know, I'm inspired by other business leaders, by the businesses that are out there, like yourself, like Drew mentioned, um, other businesses that we work with in the fintech space. I mean, how great is the ability to use LinkedIn now to send another you know, MD or CEO of a business and get a message back saying, hey, let's catch up for a coffee. Hey, we'll see you at an event. Is there anything that we can do together? Do you have anything that you think we could do about better with our product? Is there anything that you think you could do better with your product? Like it's, it, it's, it's a cool opportunity and, yeah. and space to be in. Well, we hope to continue to, uh, to follow and co- collaborate with you guys even further. I think what you've, you've done as a team more broadly is, um, is, is inspiring in and of itself to this point. So thank you for the time that you've spent today. Drew, I know you've been in extraordinary pain, mate. So um, we'll, get you, we'll get you home on a stretcher. But look, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your journey and um, we'll continue to... Stay in touch. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Propolytics. Propolytics is available on iTunes and Google Play Store, or you can check it out further at propolytics.com.au. Thanks for tuning in to the City Shapers podcast. If you like what you hear, you can support us by commenting, rating, and sharing this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any of our social channels. And finally, let us know who you want to hear from next by contacting us at podcast at theurbandeveloper.com. Thanks, and we look forward to you tuning in next time.